Hello and welcome to the third annual Never Seen It Oscar special. My name is Trent. I'm sitting here with my wife, Betsy. Oscar day. Oscar day. Yes, it is. (laughs) It's the third year in a row we are doing this. That's wild. Our podcast began on Oscar movies, so this is kind of a big deal for us. So welcome. If you have never listened to our show before, This is a podcast where we sit down and watch a movie that we haven't seen yet. One or both of us. So every year we sit down and watch every single Oscar nominated movie for best picture. This year there are 10, just like there were last year. And we've done an episode for every one of them. This episode is going to be us talking about every single movie with a spoiler free conversation where we are going to rank them. From 1 to 10, let's say. Personal rankings. These are personal rankings. As per usual, we are two people and have two opinions, so we have our own ranking of the 10 films. And I have not seen Betsy's list, and she has not seen mine. Uh Uh-uh. So it's going to be a surprise for everybody. Trent, it might be a surprise to me as we go (laughs) along, because you and I- What your list is going to be? You and I were talking about this before we started recording, and this year has been a struggle to rank these, because I think they There are a few of these movies that I could switch the ranking on a dime. And it's all just a matter of little things where I just truly have gone back and forth and back and forth on where to rank some of these movies. Yeah, especially at the tip top of our list, I think. Uh, I think the top four for me, I could go one way or the other with having each of them at the very top. Because there isn't one movie that blew us both away. Yeah, the last two years, we have each had a movie. Uh, The first year, it was a different film. But then the second year, it was the same film. The first year, we kind of swapped uh, our, our, I think, one and number two. Something like that. Yeah. Last year, we were both in agreement. But the point is, we had a movie that kind of had a death hold on us where it came out, we were fascinated and we didn't stop thinking about it for the rest of the run and there was mm-hmm. just a clear front runner for both of us this year has been more difficult a lot more nuanced and i don't know it like like i said i might change my mind in the middle of this <laughs> i said it last year because there's just minor things that could bump one up or down. Yeah, and you've always had a difficult time with oh, ranking I movies. Oh, I with this. Like, she, Betsy fought me <laughs> the first time we were going to do this because she did not want to rank the, the eight movies at the time anyway. Uh, but I forced her every year <laughs> since then. <laughs> anyway. I, I try really hard, but it, when you have so many, it, it could just shift a lot yeah. of little things to make a movie go from number nine to number 10 or number nine to yeah. number seven. It's it's the really small nuanced things that really make one movie ahead of the other. But when you're looking at some movies that just did not completely knock it out of the park, it's hard to give something the tip top award. Mm-hmm. It's not so hard to give it bottom of the bottom. Oh of yeah. The no, list, I think we've, we've not had trouble figuring out which ones are our <laughs> least favorite, but this year, even I don't think there was one movie where I was just like, that movie is straight up bad or I did not like it. Yeah. I think there are movies. There are things about every single movie I liked this yes. year. Yes. All right. With that all being said, The way we're going to do this here is in alphabetical order. We're going to talk about each movie 
tell each other where on our top 10 list it landed and explain why we picked that and just talk about the movie a little bit. And we're just going to go back and forth for each movie. So starting off at the top is All Quiet on the Western Front. It is always ladies first. So Betsy, tell me where do you have All Quiet on the Western Front? This one ended up for me at number six. So kind of in the middle, almost bottom. And that, again, was a difficult placement for me because I think this movie is really good. Like, I was kind of surprised how much I actually liked this one. Uh, The things about it, like, it stuck with me. Like, this is a serious war movie mm-hmm. and there is like visceral experiences that you watch in this and hollywood doesn't really make a whole lot of these war epics anymore this is from a german film crew and a german like acting crew it's made in germany it is mm-hmm. about the first world war from the german side and it is a little story about this small group of boys, really, young They're men. boys, yeah. Young men who are signing up for the war and been basically given a bill of goods about, oh, you are going to fight for your country and it's going to be all glory and victory. No, it's really not. No, but this one really impressed me in that it started by setting a tone yeah. and it puts you kind of on edge immediately and it carries that throughout the rest of the movie. So yeah, the strengths of this are, are really with the filmmaking and the craft. Yeah. I ended up putting this at number seven on my list. Okay. So pretty similar, Yeah, pretty similar. And the reason why I had it further down is in the episode where we covered it, I said, this movie is expertly crafted. It is beautiful to look at. It sounds great. The score is, is, I think, one of the best ones of the year, but I've seen this story before. It wasn't very special to me, and other World War One movies have done it better, most recently 1917. So it didn't grab me, but I will say it is very well made. Yeah, this I think is the one I moved around the most, just because what it ultimately boiled down to was... A number of factors with all when looking at the whole field and one of them I always go to is am I gonna ever watch this movie again like what's the rewatchability factor yeah that's a factor and with this one it's like this is it's not easy to watch and I don't I don't think (laughs) I don't think I'm gonna go running to Netflix to see this one again anytime soon yeah and it all it also begs your attention because it is all subtitled it's spoken in the German language from front to back. There's some French in there as well, but yeah, hardly any of it is in English. Yeah. So overall, it's a good movie. I think it's worth watching. It just, there were other things that I liked better. So that's why this one ended up kind of in the middle. Fair enough. All right. So the next movie uh, alphabetically is Avatar, The Way of Water. Trent, Where do you have Avatar? Well, Betsy, anybody who listened to that episode would not be surprised if uh, I'm telling you that it's at the bottom of my list. Amazing. At number 10. Amazing. Because that's also where I put it. And it's not because it's a bad movie. It just seems like it's nominated for being pretty. 
And there's nothing wrong with being a pretty movie. It pretty looks movies amazing. get nominated for these technical awards all the time, and oftentimes they win. I I believe Avatar is probably going to win Best of Visual Effects. All the technical ones yeah. within reason. Yeah, and it deserves it. That's fine. It doesn't make for a good movie, though. Because they spent most of the movie retconning stuff from the first one, yep. and for as many years as they had in between to prepare for this movie... To write a better story, yeah. to have a better script. It was really disappointing, yeah. frankly. And like I said in the episode... I was kind of just like, eh, just <laughs> the whole movie. And I shouldn't yeah. I shouldn't be allowed to be kind of bored. Yeah, I said I was bored. And that's kind of a curious thing to even experience when your attention should be completely taken up by what you are witnessing on this big-ass screen. And it just didn't grab me at all. Yeah, it just sort of fell flat. And, and we kind of were like, eh, okay. Yeah. Move on. So I really hope we don't have to watch another one in the future, (laughs) but I suspect we will, if only for all the technical things. Yeah, and and what I would really like to say here is that they set up whatever the next Avatar is going to be with this, oh, I'm I'm like jonesing for whatever is next from James Cameron and his genius team, but it did none of that. No. So anyway, yeah, Avatar 2 on the bottom. Uh, Next up on our list of alphabetical movies is... The Banshees of Inishirin. Betsy, I know this is going to be difficult for you, but where do you have Banshees? I have struggled where to put this one. I have had this move around so many times in the top three, and because I am just so torn, ultimately, I called an audible about 20 minutes before we started recording. (laughs) (laughs) And this is my number two movie. Oh, Betsy, it's my number one. This is your number one? It's my number one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had it at number one, but it's just been kind of eating away at me. And I don't know why. Like I said, because there's so many movies here that I really, really like, but nothing really grabbed me and has held on. Even this one. Like, I love this director. I love this cast. Mm-hmm. This is a more familiar story for me. Like, I grew up in a small town and it's a lot about you know, being somebody in an isolated community and what happens when your friends in your small group decide they don't want to be your friend anymore. Like I can relate to that. Like being in this town that I grew up in was 3000 people. So I think there's a lot there that I connected with personally, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I just, something has been egging me on that I don't know that I feel great about putting this at number one and I don't exactly know why and that's kind of the thing you're gonna notice with the top three Uh there's just something in the back of my brain going is it though (laughs) is it (laughs) uh just the opposite for me I made my list and I do not think I made any kind of big changes to it I re-listened to some of our episodes and mainly the changes that I made were in the middle and the bottom. I've pretty much all this time half thought Banshees was going to be at the, at the top of my list. And we're going to talk about it. Uh, some recent movies have maybe influenced that decision a little bit, but in the end I decided Banshees is my number one for all of the reasons that I talked about in the, in the episode, these personal like small stories that make you question how your own relationships are with other people. Like I talked about the first year we did this was the father. That movie hit me in such a personal way that 
I fucking bawled my eyes out watching it. I never bawl my eyes out at anything. Rarely. It's yeah. very rare for you. Not like that. No. Not like that. I, I, I get teary-eyed at some things, but that one just hit me. So this one was not as as impactful as as the father was, but it's the story of somebody who finds himself in a very lonely position where his best friend supposedly is leaving him. He's getting broken up with. He's getting dumped. He's going through this stage of grief. And not only is his friend leaving him, but his sister's also leaving him and he's being forced to grow up and he's not ready for it. Mm -hmm. He's never been ready to grow up. And it's everything surrounding it, the small town atmosphere, the fact that everybody just is very, very Irish (laughs) in the best way. And yeah, it's a great story. And I do not have any regrets about having that at my number one. I genuinely, like I said, this could easily go to number one for me. I think it's just kind of on the day. Yeah, I think you and I have very similar top threes and, and bottom threes. I think Much so. like the uh, the other years, but all right. <laughs> Moving forward from that one, our next movie in alphabetical order is Elvis. Trent, where do you have Elvis? Elvis for me is at number six. Okay. And I went back and forth about this one as well, about, you know... The things that really bother me about Elvis is not the story. It is not how the actors are doing their performances. It is the presentation of the movie. It's kind of a lot. It's a lot and it is inconsistent. The beginning third of the movie is just fucking frantic and you just don't know what's going on. But then the rest of the movie, those themes are no longer there in any way. I can understand if you maybe dialed it back a little bit, but the rest of the movie does not resemble the first part. And I can't reconcile that. Okay. I put this one at number eight. Okay. So again, I think this one has shuffled around a few times. Everything in that middle, I've kind of bumped up and knocked down, depending on how I'm feeling. You're right. This one, it's a lot. It's just kind of chaotic and overwhelming at times. It did, you know, like we said in the episode, Austin Butler is amazing at this. Very impressive. Like, it's very, very impressive what he is doing. But it's also every cliche I've ever seen in every biopic of a rock star. Sure. (laughs) And so it's kind of like, have I seen this before? And again, I think what it boils down to is how eager am I to watch this again, which isn't very much. Like, would I watch this again? Maybe. But I just think there are enough problems with this. I don't feel good putting it much higher up the list. Maybe over time I'll find I change my opinion about this one and I can rewatch it and enjoy it more now that I've gotten it out of my system. Where I'm sitting right now today, that's where I'm leaving it. All right. If you want a really good biopic, go watch Weird, the Al Yankovic story. (laughs) That is a much better movie. Not nominated for Best Picture. No. All right. Moving on. We're still in the E's and we're to the longest title on the list. It is everything, everywhere, all at once. A movie that is getting a whole lot of buzz right now. But Betsy, where do you have it on your list? Oh my God, Trent. So this is clearly the one that's leading the pack when the overall conversation is happening. And we'll talk more about that as we get to the end of this episode. And I wanted to love this movie, 
but there just hasn't been that thing that grabbed me about this one in a way that it has grabbed other people, held on and never let go. Yep. So I think there's kind of some extenuating circumstances why I don't have this higher. But long story short, I have this at number three. Okay. So I really liked this movie. I think the cast is great. The costume is great. All the parts are there. And I think this could easily, for me, if I watch this again or watch it a few times, be one that climbs the ranks and blows everybody else out of the water. Yeah, because there are definitely things that you miss that might add to your experience. I will tell you right now, if this does win Best Picture, it will be the first Best Picture to uh, prominently feature butt plugs. Um, (laughs) That we know about anyway. That we know about. So yeah, I was listening to our episode and I'm like, yeah, I liked this movie. But the way I hear other people talking about it, I don't feel that way. I don't feel that deep, deep love and connection that Mm -hmm. so many people do about this one. So I just couldn't justify bumping it up to the top of my list. Like part of me wanted to because, yeah, all the parts are there. But I just I can't I can't explain it. There's just something eating away at me where I can't put it higher than this movie. <laughs> well, you obviously liked it because you put it at number three. I did. Th- yeah. I definitely liked it. You put it at number it. three, where right? Do you, yeah, number three. So where do you have this? I had it at number two. Okay. So it's the same thing as you. I didn't have the pull to put it at the top of my list because it didn't grab me all the way the first time viewing because we haven't seen these movies more than once. No. So and it's I, just based on the initial reaction. And I think if we had spent time rewatching these, this would be a completely different list. Yeah, maybe. But in this case, I am kind of feeling the way I felt about Parasite back when that movie was big. These movies came out under similar circumstances. They were released early on in the year and got a huge, huge buzz around them. A whole bunch of people who don't really watch a whole lot of movies came out just swinging at this movie. They fucking loved it. They went to the theater five times to go and see it because they never seen a movie like this before. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with Parasite. Parasite had this buzz around it that did not go away. And I feel like that deserves at least a little bit here when it comes to the Oscar voting because it has been this phenomenon. And you also have all these actors who are winning all these other awards. And I, I have, if I'm going to choose like the movie I think is going to win the best picture Oscar, it is this one. I think it's, it's theirs to lose. It is. So in my case, I put it at number two. Like the more I've, thought about it and sat with this movie the more i do want to go back and watch it again just to see all the things that i didn't see and the more i've thought about it the more i think you know this movie is so unique it is so fun it is so weird and i think it, that is the thing that is putting it over the over the top for me mm-hmm. and why i put it at number two and i'll be honest i like i said There is a temptation to bump this one higher. It really, truly is. But because what it boils down to is I have not had the same immediacy about this movie that other people have. It might just be the hype. Like sometimes I'm a victim of that where I hype a movie up in my brain because so many other people are hyping it up. And then I see it and it's underwhelming. So if I had watched this movie again before we did this, Mm -hmm. it might be higher. 
but because I'm trying to keep it an even playing field. <laughs> See, I, I, I think, and I know I didn't react that way when yeah. I first watched it. I think my expectations were met based on the hype around it. So I think that's why I, I kept it so high. I definitely. That's me too, where it's definitely good. Yeah. It could go higher. It absolutely has the potential that in the future, this movie will rank much higher. If I were to revisit this list in a few years yep. and redo it, I might have a more clear picture of where things have fallen. Sure. All right. So the next one on the list is The Fablemans. Trent, where do you have The Fablemans? The Steven Spielberg biopic that isn't about Steven Spielberg, but it is. Uh, I put The Fablemans at number four. Okay. I have this at number seven. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So you tell me why you have it at four. So I put it at four because... I, I re-listened to the entirety of our episode, and I feel like this is, again, it is a love letter to film. It is a just a labor of love and memories for Steven Spielberg himself. The more I've read about this movie, the more I appreciate where he is coming from. He didn't try to sugarcoat a whole lot of the, the, the past. He included the foibles of his parents. He included the, the weird thing with his uncle, and we won't go into that. But yeah, the love of film and the love of production really comes through in the end. And I feel like this is one of Steven Spielberg's best movies. Yeah, the strength of this movie is that Steven Spielberg is such an incredible filmmaker. That's just the truth. Like, whatever you yep. think about him, he's really good at making movies. Now, at the time we watched this, I think you felt stronger about it than I did, mm -hmm. so I'm not really surprised you have it ranked higher. Yeah. The thing that kind of pulls it down for me is I've seen a lot of kind of coming-of-age movies like this, mm -hmm. and there were elements of it that felt predictable. Now, he can't help that his life is an actual kind of cliche that we've seen in movies. That's not his fault if he's being honest about it. Yeah. And there's comparisons. Okay. But there were things where I was just like, is this going to happen? Oh, look, it happened. Um, yeah. And the things that really stood out for me in that movie is that I, I fully believe that you can start to see through his eyes mm -hmm. when he's a teenager. And when his parents are, are fighting, let's say he had the ability to pull himself back and see what is going on in front of him as a drama, not as real life, but he can pull himself back and be behind a, a virtual camera and capture what it is what it is that he is witnessing. Mm -hmm. That right there is just the best filmmaking because you can see it from this director and from this character's eyes. Right. And the thing that really keeps sticking back to me is it's heartfelt, but really edging on corny. <laughs> and sometimes I like corny and sappy, and sometimes I really don't. And I feel like this is kind of the wrong kind for me, personally. I have the, I have the same sensitivity to stuff like that, and it did not bother me in that way. And again, maybe this is one I just need to watch again, and I'll feel differently. The probability of me re-watching a Steven Spielberg movie is very high. So yeah. again, this could easily go up the ranks, but I had to put it somewhere, and there were just things about other movies that I liked more. So this is where it ended up. All right, Steven Spielberg, you're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> all right moving on to our next one we're moving all the way to the t's from the f's uh we're at tar the kate blanchett movie betsy where do you have this one 
This is probably the one that I have thought about the most since watching it. I have this at number four. Wow. And I think what it boils down to is this is a movie that is so incredible the way it is structured from beginning to end. It is open to multiple interpretations. I sent you one like a week ago that Uh somebody put on Twitter that completely made me rethink this movie and I desperately want to see it again. And for this movie that's like two and a half hours long where I was like, what the hell am I going into? Uh I have just continued to think about it. You went down the rabbit hole. I went down the rabbit hole and I really want to see it again because I feel like there's so much that I missed and it's going to change the movie completely for me. And if you can give me a movie that changes altogether on a second viewing, that's an interesting experience to me. So I had to put this one pretty high, but you're making some faces at me, Trent. So I need you to tell me where you have this. <laughs> I have Tar at number nine. Okay. Yeah, not kind of not a movie for you, apparently. It is definitely not a movie for me because if you're not able to portray what it is that you're really trying to show me in the first viewing, you're doing something wrong. And combine that with the fact that it just seems like pretentious bullshit (laughs) that just permeates everything. This is not a movie for me. Fair enough. in, in, In any kind of capacity. Now, I will say, Kate Blanchett does deserve the Best Actress nomination and probable win. Potentially, we're going to talk more about that. We're going to talk about that, but for for my money, she is the best thing about this. She is putting out a clinic, but I just think the overall production of this movie and the way it is arranged just put me off in a way that I actually have started to hate this movie more and more than the more time that has gone on. The opposite of you. Meanwhile, I drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. You started (laughs) looking, you started looking a hell of a lot more than I did. And I just, no, I want nothing to do with this movie. You saw it. You got it out of your system. You've moved on where uh, with me, it's kind of gotten under my skin and I can't stop thinking about it. So, yeah, I completely get where you're coming from, Mm -hmm. and I understand why you put it there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, moving on from a movie that is open to uh, interpretation to a movie that all our dads love, (laughs) it is Top Gun Maverick, the second sequel that is in the best picture running this year. Yeah. Trent, where do you have Top Gun Maverick? I have Maverick at number five. I also have it at number five. I kind of figured you might (laughs) because it is the least controversial movie on this list. It's a popcorn movie. It is a fun-ass popcorn sequel to a movie that was another fun-ass popcorn movie. And arguably, would you say this one is better or the same as the first one? Oh, God. You know, I don't know. I think in ways it's better. It's modernized in the very least. They've made it accessible for the audiences of today. Sure. And to go along with that, the way we kind of talked about this sequel, it is less a sequel than more of a remake. We referred a lot to the Force Awakens mm-hmm. episode seven of kind Star of Wars. Updating it and bringing it to the new generation. It is bringing it to a brand new generation with bringing in some old characters from the old trilogy, in this case, the old movie, to give it some validity and to not just like throw it out there as like a bargain bin direct to DVD sequel <laughs> to Top Gun, which they could have done back in the 90s. 
oh yeah, you could have recast everybody and just been like, yeah, just, no, that's Maverick yeah, right just there, crank, that guy. Yeah, just crank out all these Top Gun sequels that didn't need to exist. Mm-hmm. So I fully enjoyed myself watching, oh, yeah. watching Maverick. This movie is a blast from beginning to end. Yeah. And I even in that episode said, this is probably going to get nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. And here we are however many months later, and I wasn't wrong, and our dads love it, like I said. It's a, it's a movie that everybody can get on board and enjoy. But I'll be honest, when I was re-listening to the episode, it occurred to me, I haven't really thought about this movie again since we saw it. I suppose. So that's why it's just kind of in the middle. It's well-made. It is interesting and fun. Mm-hmm. But that's as much as I can really say about it. Right. And there's not much more you need to say. It's a sequel to Top Gun. And they what have, do you want? They have Tom Cruise in it, and there's planes, and they go, wee! <laughs> That's all you need to know. So, yes, number five for both of us. All right, two more. Uh, the next one is going to be Triangle of Sadness, a title that does not have hardly anything to do with the movie itself. So where did you have this one, Betsy? This is number eight for me. Same here. Yeah, it's not bad. It's interesting. It's at times really funny. Yeah. But again, kind of just like, okay, haven't thought about it since. I like what you're trying to do. I like satire re-entering the realm of like high budget film. Yeah. I love this kind of movie. You just needed to do it better. And maybe just execute i i just don't know i i do not know what else you needed to do to make this movie better or maybe this is just too smart for us <laughs> or maybe it's just too european for us or because that. We, just, we kept on saying that because we got a couple of movies in here that are just man i don't know where these guys are coming from or why you think this is funny but good on you uh, yeah so in the end i enjoyed myself pretty much the entire way but just the execution of where the story lands and like the messaging of everything. And even the ending is suspect. You don't really know why something is happening towards the end there. So yeah, for, yeah. for movies this year, this is kind of the weird one. Like this yeah. one and Tar are like the weird movies. Well, yeah, we talked about it in the, in the episode. Like it's just kind of bonkers. It's just bonkers. And you're either going to love that or you're going to be confused. And I followed it. Yep. But I didn't really feel that deeply anything about this yeah, movie. I got it. Thank you for saying the words, but no thanks. Just try again later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that leaves us to our final movie. That is Women Talking, the movie that eluded us for a very long time before we could finally see it. We have seen it now. Where do you have this movie, Trent? Well, since it's the last one on my list, everybody should know it's at number three. And if you're paying attention, Trent, I think you can mathematically figure out that I put this at number one. Yeah. (laughs) So ironically enough, the ranking you have is where I was sitting until about 20 minutes before we started. I kind of figured. And I knew knew you were going to have those movies in your top three. Because what it just comes down to is the thing we started off saying, the movies that grab you and hold on. And this one grabbed me by the hand at the beginning. And if you listen to that episode, within a few minutes, it had complete control over my emotions. And I was on that ride the whole movie. And I was about to burst into tears (laughs) the whole movie. And then at the end, I felt such a release 
that I was just like, no other movie made me do what that movie did. And that's kind of ultimately what put it at the top for me and why I understand how even at the last minute, you've got it at number three. So yeah. where where do you land with number three? Like what put it there? So for me, I really struggled with this one because I didn't want to have the case of like recency bias. Like I, we literally just watched this movie this week. And that really is the thing that I think I was struggling with as to why I had it. At, I had it at three, but I really wanted to put it higher. I had to question that. Yeah. So for me, the thing that really grabbed me about this movie was just the dialogue and the sheer volume of it. Because you know me, I love a good talkie (laughs) Uh, when there's a lot of dialogue and something. And when you've got great actors on screen explaining things in the way that only these characters know how to, to, to do so. You have so many different sides where these characters are coming from. And by the end, you can also tell a a movie or a play is really good when you don't actually know anybody's name. Do you remember anybody's name from that movie? August. August. The the, man. The the one guy. (laughs) The one guy in that movie. Yes. I don't remember anybody else's name, but I know the story based on the faces I'm looking at. Right. I had... A, an emotional connection with every single woman yep. on that screen. Yeah. And I just feel really strongly that this movie is really underrated. <laughs> like, I, this was the surprise entry into the race. But when I'm thinking about the overall picture, how does it look? How is it edited? Mm-hmm. The music, the sound, the direction, all of that combined... I just had to put this at the top. Like, I I really fundamentally felt it in my bones (laughs) in a way that I was questioning with the other two. And if I'm questioning it, that means this has to be at the top. Yeah, and that's fair. I did have kind of a knee-jerk reaction asking myself, wait, Women Talking is really, really good. It's really good. And these other movies are also really, really good. So do I want to put this one at the top? Wait a minute. Maybe it's just because of my recency bias or like, 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 let me go and re-listen to these other, other episodes and remind myself of some of the details and some of the thoughts I had. And it really took me listening to Banshees to make me question things. Same thing with everything everywhere. And I would definitely want to watch my top two Banshees and everything rather than women talking because not a lot happens here. Not a lot happens. You're in one room, basically, in the entire movie. But what happens in there is compelling. You cannot look away. You want to know everything that's going on because you want to help these women. <laughs> in, re- in reality, that's what you really want. Definitely. And I think watching it last is like the best and worst thing that could have happened yep. for this lineup. Yep. Because it is entirely possible that that's why it's at the top for me. I don't think so. I really had to do a lot of self-examination yep. in the last yep. few days. And as long as you you took that into, into I, consideration. No, I, I could have just popped it up at the top right after we watched it and moved on. Yeah. But I resisted that urge i solidly had it at three like you for the last several days (laughs) and i just kept having this itch in my heart where i'm like something doesn't feel right and if it doesn't feel right but when i put it at the top suddenly all of it felt better (laughs) but as i keep saying these three movies 
are almost neck and neck for me because there are Same. ones that I would recommend to people. There are ones that I wouldn't. There are ones that I want to rewatch now. There are some that I really could go without seeing again for a little bit. Yeah. And that is the thing that I'm finding really interesting about this group of movies because I could see them in any of those orders. Yep. Like, I could put women talking at number two or three. And you can make an argument for every single one of those. Yeah. And I did in my brain before we sat down here and and I made my list. I could make an argument for each one of those top three. Yeah. I, this has been a struggle this year. And I feel good about where I've left it. Yeah. But I also think that if there are people out there screaming at the headphones going, <laughs> no, and, and everything everywhere is the only thing that matters. It's like, maybe, maybe Fine. you're right. Good for, you. <laughs> good for you. This is just an opinion. Betsy and I have very different opinions this year more than the other years for sure. Definitely more of a split like we have been almost lined up We're, we've been pretty lockstep like our beginning middle and end are all the same movies just in different orders for the three or four in there <laughs> and that's been the last couple of years yeah this one yeah i'm very different i am glad that it's different though but we have gotten there for the same reasons and yep. where it sways it higher for me for something like tar it sways it lower for you and then for something like Elvis and the Fablemans, same thing where it's like, yeah. Yeah, depending on the day, I might have put that higher. I might have put it lower. Like so many things go into my brain and my calculations when I'm trying to figure out where I really want to put these movies. And some of it is just a gut check. Like what is really how I'm feeling about this movie? And it makes it hard when we watch this many in either a short span or spread out. It doesn't matter. This is hard either way. I mean, we watched Top Gun, what, in the summer? That was like September, I think. Yeah, late summer. Mm -hmm. So it's been a while for a, a few of these movies. I think we watched four of them before the Oscar nominations were even announced. And the rest of them, we've just been kind of going on at a clip. Yeah. So, and I wish that I had had the opportunity to see women talking earlier because I would be curious to know where it would have fallen sure. had I not just seen it. Sure. So it is entirely possible that that's a factor, but when I really did some soul searching, it just feels right at the top of my list for this year. Shall we recap before we move on? So, yeah. So all 10 movies counting down at number 10, I had Avatar, The Way of Water. Number nine, Triangle of Sadness. Number eight, Elvis. Number seven, The Fablemans. Number six, All Quiet on the Western Front. Number five, Top Gun Maverick. Number four, Tar. Number three, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Number two, The Banshees of Inishirin. And at number one, Women Talking. And from number 10 for me is Avatar, The Way of Water. Number nine, Tar. Number eight, Triangle of Sadness. Number seven, All Quiet on the Western Front. Number six, Top Gun Maverick. Number four, The Fablemans. Number three, Women Talking. Number two, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And number one, The Banshees of Inishirin. That's a good list right there. <laughs> you know, as we said, there's a lot of really good movies in that bunch this year. I think... This There's is not a, a stinker really, in the bunch. No, this is a really diverse group of movies, too. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we get really artsy. Sometimes we get really mainstream. This is all over the spectrum. Yeah. 
And that's great. I love when the year just presents us with this variety and that when the Academy can recognize the fact that, you know what? Top Gun Maverick may not be an Oscar winner, but damn it, it is a great movie. It is a top 10 movie of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't deny that. Like a movie that has still been playing in the theaters now, that fucker opened in May. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right, Betsy, we're going to move on now. We're going to ta- start talking about the actual Oscars themselves. We, we already talked about all of the Best Picture nominees. We're going to now talk about some actors and some technical awards. Where should we start? So I think it's a kind of a foregone conclusion that everything everywhere all at once is going to win Best Picture. Do you have any potential upsets? Because the thing we always talk about is... Dark Horse. The Dark Horse, the... The way they do voting in the Academy, unless everybody is united on one movie, it's kind of a weird outcome because it's like if everybody has it at their second favorite, that has more weight consistently. So do you think there is anything in this bunch that could steal it? Man, I don't know because all of the momentum now is everything everywhere. And the only other buzz that I've been hearing is about Banshees. Mm-hmm. So other than those two, I don't know if it would actually be given to anything else. Yeah, I think people were surprised when All Quiet on the Western Front won at the BAFTAs, but that also is a different kind of awards. They tend, the, the, if you look at the winners, they were airing really heavily to the Europeans. The BAFTAs only award things from Europe. Not only, I know. but they certainly seemed preferentially voting oh, for yeah. those things when oh, I looked yeah. at the winners. Come people, on. People who have not consistently been winning anything for these nominations when it's always the same group of people were winning there. So yeah. that that is a an interesting choice. I don't think it was necessarily the wrong choice. It was just kind of a surprise to people. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen here. But yeah, I think you're right. I feel like that it would be really difficult at this point for everything everywhere not to take the trophy at the end of the evening. Uh, so the one that I keep going back and forth on is the best actor category. So for a uh-huh. really long time, uh-huh. it was a two-person race. Then it sort of became a one-person race. Then it became two different people. So the people who are in the front right now are Brendan Fraser and Austin Butler. What do you ultimately think is going to happen at the Oscars? Do you think he's got the momentum, Brendan Fraser that is, to take it? Or do you think there's going to be an upset? So Betsy and I fell out an, an Oscar ballot uh, for this thing that we're we're actually going to go to an Oscar party, by the way. <laughs> um, we fell out the, the ballot and I ended up choosing Brandon Fraser. I gave it to him because, you know, he has been the name on everybody's lips this entire past year. As soon as people started to really watch that movie, they see his performance. Now, we haven't seen his performance. This is just based on buzz. But... When it comes to that, I don't feel like there's enough momentum behind Austin Butler because he hasn't really been winning all of the awards. He's definitely in the minority, but the ones he has won have kind of shook people enough to think, well, maybe, maybe. Sure, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I would say from my perspective, it's probably going to be him. But, you know, I would be ecstatic if... Colin Farrell ended up winning. If the vote got so split. Yeah, I would be so happy if he got it. 
just because number one, he he would deserve it. I he think, was great in that movie. I think any of those three guys being in the lead of the pack, that's great. I would be yep. happy with any of them. I have been saying for months, if Brendan Fraser wins, I will weep. I have been <laughs> I have been a fan pretty much my entire life. This is a guy that we grew up with in movies, and everybody loves the underdog and everybody loves a comeback. Yep. And there's a part of me that's like, oh, God, it's going to be that thing where Michael Keaton was, like, putting his little acceptance speech back in his pocket when someone else won. Like, that was a sad little moment. I don't want that for him. I want him to have all good things. But I also completely understand if people feel so strongly about Austin Butler that they vote for him. I think that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, Austin Butler completely embodied Elvis. I I have no notes about anything he could have improved. There was even a moment in our episode where I said, oh my God, I just heard Elvis's voice come out of Austin Butler's mouth. That was uncanny. I mean, if you're trying to imitate a person, that's one thing. Because there is an actual reference point that you can look at, point at, and say, I'm going to be that person. If you are playing a fictional person, that is a different kind of acting. Mm-hmm. And people so love these like real heroes set to film. They love these movies. Yeah, and Rami Malek won for his portrayal of Freddie Mercury back in the, uh, the Queen movie. And he very much deserved that too. And the movie, so, again, was not the best movie that year. Exactly. But so it was there. Uh, I have no idea what the winner is going to be here. I gave it to Brendan Fraser just because, number one, I want it to happen. I have unflinching loyalty. I was afraid <laughs> that if I picked Austin Butler, I was going to jinx him. <laughs> but I also understand that it's not up to me, and yeah. the voters will decide. So that's best actor. Uh, let's talk about best actress now. It's really coming down to two people. Really? Yeah, this is a two-woman race. Yeah, and for my money, it's probably going to go to Kate Blanchett, even though Michelle Yeoh also knocked it out of the park. I think she deserves it as well. I don't even remember who else is in the running. <laughs> this is also kind of like the year it came down to Glenn Close and Olivia Coleman, where yeah. they were sort of flipping back and forth where one would win, the other would win. One would win, the other would win. Sure. I still think that momentum is probably going Michelle Yeoh's way. However, looking at the overall body of the Oscar voters, it's really hard to deny Kate Blanchett is one of our greatest living actresses. She just yeah. is. And she changes her physical appearance and her, like, the way she moves and the way she's styled. And she's so good. And yeah. she's an asshole in this movie like (laughs) let's just be real like if you haven't seen tar yet she commands your attention yeah even though she's terrible that's kind of the point so i would be totally ecstatic with either of them winning yeah i'm erring to the side of michelle yo but again i think you're right there is a very high probability it could go kate's way yeah and i think if the winds are blowing anywhere it is going to be for an everything everywhere sweep that doesn't happen anymore because you could get the best picture you could get best actress best supporting actor best production design and just run the gamut here of just all of the technical awards and whatnot and yeah i i don't know what's going to happen I don't know that it's necessarily going to sweep. I think it's going to clean up though. <laughs> sure. I'm not so, saying I'm not saying it's going to sweep. No. So speaking of uh, other categories. So it is 
a movie that has two actresses up for best supporting actress, but the the race in that category is a little more hard to predict because yeah. there's a lot of people saying that Angela Bassett is going to take it and she's going to be the first woman or the first actor at all to get an acting nomination and a win for a Marvel movie. And mm. that would give it a lot of weight. I think there's a lot of potential that that could happen. But then you've got two actresses from Everything Everywhere. Like, at the beginning, a lot of people were like, oh, you've got Jamie Lee Curtis and she's due and she it's her time. It's like, okay, if I'm looking at movies with Best Supporting Actresses, fine, give her the nomination. But we just watched Women Talking and I would easily... Switch her out for Claire Foy in a second. Yeah. In a second. Yeah. Because I was way more impressed with what they were doing in Women Talking than what she does in that movie. But then again, how do you pick which one of those is going to be the best supporting? Because they're all supporting. There's no main actors in that entire in Women, women talking. talking. Yeah. 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 So I get that. But you also have now a split vote because yeah. if you're looking exclusively at this category, Jamie Lee Curtis versus Stephanie Hsu, I pick Stephanie Hsu. Like, she is yeah, the, the I agree. crux of that film. <laughs> but then again, you have two older actresses here who are quote-unquote due, mm -hmm. Angela Bassett being the other. And the Oscars love that crap. Yes. That's that's how fucking Brad Pitt won his acting Oscar and for a being of, a supporting actor. And a lot of other people. Where for... he, he just played Brad Pitt, by the way. He just played <laughs> himself. <laughs> but then you've also got the dark horse in that category, which is Carrie Condon. Sure. So she's been cleaning up at other award ceremonies. So it's like, where's it going to go? Because that might be one. The vote is split enough. that It could be a complete surprise. It could be a complete surprise. I would say if anything's a surprise, it's that category. Yeah. But Ki Hoi Kwan is going to win Best Supporting Actor. That's yeah, not even a question. <laughs> I'd say definitively with without hesitation. Like, I don't see anyone else coming and taking that away from him because he has won every other award has he not like 99 percent <laughs> <laughs> he is really cleaning up so i just don't think there's any other world where someone takes that award home yeah. that's not him yeah agreed um so i think we're gonna forego talking about any other uh categories here Th those are the main five that uh, we're, we're going to discuss here, but we're going to move on. We're going to do a little bit of cleanup here uh, for, uh, for some emails that we have received over the past uh, month or so, all from our super fan, Stephanie, of course. She's been getting through all of these Best Picture nominees. Yes. So we're going to start with one we got here uh, a couple weeks ago about The Fablemans. She says, you know, when you watched Coda last year, Betsy said that she had seen this story before. That is just how I felt about this film. It was too long and it just kind of seemed like every other coming of age movie. The child actors were fine. Seth Rogen was good. Paul Dano was good. Michelle Williams is an amazing actress and her face is magic. <laughs> <laughs> However, I just wasn't feeling her performance in this one. I felt it was too stylized. I'm sure it was a choice, but not one I particularly enjoyed. Yeah, this is all kind of your feelings. It's, yeah, just, she... an, it's just another coming-of-age movie, and yeah, everybody's good in it, but it's a Steven Spielberg movie, so everybody's going to be on their best behavior. <laughs> Uh, she says, I love the movie making scenes. So interesting and fun. I wanted more with the sisters. They were great. The family drama was interesting and sad. I legit thought Benny was his uncle, not just a family friend. This caused me quite a bit of confusion for a couple scenes. Uncle Boris is awesome and weird. 
Yeah, that's one we didn't even mention when we were talking about uh, the, when we were doing our list about the, the Fablemans. Fucking Judd Hirsch is the best thing in that movie. I would be ecstatic if he were to pull an upset and he win uh, for Best Supporting Actor. I know he's not. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but he is the best part of that movie. Absolutely. <laughs> she says, I did like the movie, but it wasn't anything particularly special. I have so many more Oscar movies to watch. Time to buckle down. <laughs> And she she sent this uh, back on February 23rd. So, yeah. Uh, she also mentioned the past couple of weeks I watched Shotgun Wedding and Someone That I Used to Know. Wait, Somebody That I Used to Know. Uh, both are on Amazon Prime. Shotgun Wedding is so fun and I loved it. Somebody That I Used to Know is not a rom-com. It is funny and it has some romance, but it is more like figuring out what you want from life rather than the specific romance. It is very good, but I had different expectations and had to push them aside to enjoy what the movie actually was. Yeah, I don't know those movies, so I might have to check them out. Well, Shotgun Wedding, isn't that the uh, the Jennifer Lopez and, um, what's his name? Oh, Josh Dumel. Josh Dumel. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and then um, somebody that I used to know is the uh, Alison Brie and her husband. Franco? Yeah. Oh, Okay. That, the other Franco. The other one. Yeah. <laughs> Dave. Uh, he, he directed that movie with uh, his wife playing the lead. Sure. Yeah. I, there's a, so many like direct to streaming movies that are not just garbage. They're just major stars doing these movies. Sure. It's hard to keep track of sometimes. Indeed. So thank you, Stephanie, for keeping up on all of these. All right, so we've got another one from her as she moved on to the next uh, Best Picture nominee, All Quiet on the Western Front. She says, wow, this movie was incredibly well done. Agreed. Although we have seen this type of story before, I felt very compelled by it. It was super interesting to see World War I from German point of view. War is horrible for every soldier, and Paul and his friends were fed all this bullshit about heroism and glory. So heartbreaking to see the human toll of war. This was such a tense movie, and the score was like a much better version of a Christopher Nolan score. Yeah, I get what she's saying there, because yeah. it's kind of that foreboding, like, horn section. Uh -huh. Think Inception, that blast. Yeah. Uh, LOL, French Trench Band name. <laughs> uh, all right, and here's where she says, Stephanie steps up on her soapbox. I really like watching military and war movies with my husband because it is one of the only times he talks about his time in the Navy. He tells me about his training and how different the U.S. is now versus world during World War I and II and how that differs from Germany. PTSD is very much an issue that our country needs to do better handling. Give the VA more money for veterans and active duty members that need mental health services. Stephanie climbs back down. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Uh, I'm going to skip this one just because uh, yeah, there's a spoiler in here. Uh, the last bit, the cinematography was fantastic. The score was fantastic. Overall, I really liked this film and hope it takes home an award or two. Though I agree with Trent that 1917 had a better story. Yeah, if you're coming to a war movie like this and you want something set in World War One, go watch 1917. It is a superior movie. <laughs> Depending on what you're looking for, because that one has a couple of main actors they have an objective and they try to fulfill the objective and the war is kind of the background this one the war is the machine and so you just kind of have to be ready for everything sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
And one last one from Stephanie. This is the most recent one because it came in this week because we're talking about women talking. She also included her rankings for her favorite movies in this here Oscar series. Uh, She starts off with, uh, I really loved this one. I never felt like it was too long or boring. It held my complete focus and was so captivating. It is very much like a play, and I agree with Betsy that it was super well-paced. Maybe it was because Claire Foy was the mother of a small child, but I related to her so hard. How did she not get a Best Supporting nomination? How did Jesse Buckley not get a Best Supporting nomination? That's what I'm saying, Trent. Yeah, I'm with you, but again, how do you choose? Number one, how do you choose which one of those that you you put forward? And who's the lead actor in this movie? You don't need to put anybody forward for lead actress, but you could put supporting and then just whoever takes it takes it like sometimes that's how it goes yeah it's it's a it's a weird thing but uh, i I, i'm with you they were great i'm gonna skip that paragraph because it's spoilers but she says overall i love this one and i'm so glad that they finally put it on prime and now we're going to switch over to what her picks are for Oscars. Uh, she says, keep in mind that I have not seen Avatar 2, The Whale, or Living. Also, these are definitely my opinion, which is often not very sophisticated. <laughs> Doesn't matter. All right, starting off with number nine for Stephanie. She says, Triangle of Sadness, Tar, Elvis, All Quiet on the Western Front, The Fablemans, Banshees of Inishirin, Top Gun Maverick, Women Talking, and Everything Everywhere All at Once at number one. So a little bit of both of ours. I think it's more towards mine. (laughs) Uh, I think she liked Top Gun a little bit better than me and Banshees less than me. Uh, But yeah, pretty much similar. And I'm really curious what you think about Avatar. So whenever you get to that one, make sure to let us know and update your list. Is it number 10? It's number 10, isn't it? Tell us if you agree, (laughs) Stephanie. Go go waste three and a half hours of your life watching this movie and tell us that it sucks. Or don't waste it. Maybe you'll find it's fascinating and we're wrong. No, it is the children who are wrong. (laughs) No, it's the podcasters that are wrong, Betsy. All right. She also talks about uh, the the rest of uh, the, the main categories here. She says, best director, I want either the Daniels or Sarah Polly, but she's not nominated, of course. Yeah, that's a fucking travesty. Yeah. Original screenplay, everything everywhere. Adapted screenplay, women talking, because it's based on a book. Uh, supporting actress, Stephanie Hsu or Claire Foy, but she's not nominated. <laughs> uh, supporting actor, Barry Keegan or Kehu Kwan. Uh, for Best Actress, Michelle Yeoh or Andrea Riseborough, which we haven't talked about. Yeah, so there's a whole thing about her. There's a whole story about uh, Andrea Riseborough that we're not going to get into here, but... Uh, Long story short, I say good for her. <laughs> sure, why not? Work the system however you want to work. Who cares? It's all a fucking popularity contest anyway. <laughs> and finally, she says actor, uh, Best Actor, uh, Austin Butler or Paul Mescal. And I haven't seen the movie he is in, but I've heard he's very good in it. He's kind of one of those actors on the rise. Yeah. So, yes, thank you again, Stephanie, for all the emails that you send us. You give us all this extra content to put at the end of these episodes, as well as everybody else who does email us. But we understand Oscar movies are not everybody's bag, so this is just kind of for us anyway. (laughs) So, all right. 
I guess that's it. Betsy, we've reached the end of our third annual Never Seen It Oscar Awards special thing. We I don't know. We made it! <laughs> <laughs> so again, this is coming out on Oscar Sunday. So, uh, you know, watch the Oscars tonight if you're listening to this during the day. Or if you're listening to this after the fact, uh, tell us that we were completely wrong and you're stupid for choosing all of those movies that did not actually win. Or send us your ranking. We want to hear yes. where everybody else feels these movies belong. Yeah, and just tell us like all the ones that you have seen or the ones that you really want to see. Email us your thoughts. NeverSeenItPod at gmail.com is the email address. NeverSeenItPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. It is NeverSeenIt underscore pod. Betsy's going to be live tweeting, maybe. maybe. I don't know. We're going to an Oscar party, so we may not have time to do such things. So, yeah, it'll be fun. Anyway, uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. You can look, uh, you can find those uh, links in the description. Also, if you would please support the show, click the link in the podcast description to go to Spotify. Now, it's not Anchor anymore. They renamed the service that we use to host this podcast. So, uh, click the link to go to Spotify to throw us a dollar a month using your credit card you're not using it for anything else a dollar is nothing these days support your favorite podcasters that's us that's us not anybody else <laughs> delete all of your other podcasts it's they just mean, us they mean nothing to they you they mean nothing we mean a dollar it's just a dollar a month come on anyway <laughs> uh that is going to be the end of this here episode we're not going to talk about what's next because we don't know what's next so yes Join us next time for another episode of Never Seen It. My name is Trent. My name is Betsy. And we'll catch you at the Oscars. Bye.